This is Pro Wrestling Indistrated, a love letter to independent wrestling from Pro Wrestling Illustrated. I am one of your hosts, Pro Wrestling Illustrated Editor-in-Chief Kevin McElvady, and with me, as always, the Good Witch, the Divine Darling, the Conduit of Karma, the doesn't-have-a-fourth nickname, and we decided that's how it's going to stay, <laughs> Kaya McKenna. Kaya, how's it going? I'm doing great, Kevin. How are you doing? Doing well, doing well. We've uh, got another exciting episode to share here. But first, I, I think we should talk a little bit about what you have re very recently been up to because you added something new to your resume in the wrestling world just a few days ago. Yes, and I, I just got my voice back. I didn't realize how strenuous it would be. Um, I mean, to be fair, I did do the Detroit Columbus GCW loop and do some ring crew work there. So I probably strained my voice yelling at people to get in line <laughs> for tickets. But I was I was actually presented the opportunity from Tara Calloway to do a little bit of ring announcing for their undeniable show that was um, done through Dropkick Depression. It was a sponsor for Woman's Space, so mm -hmm. a shelter, local women's shelter in the area, a little fundraiser show, and it was it was a great time. Um, you know, we always talk about all these accessory roles in wrestling, right? Especially on our podcast, we talk to a lot of the people who fill these accessory roles, and it was kind of cool to step into those shoes for a night and get to MC the show. Um, I'm by nature, a very sociable, loud person. So I didn't really have too many nerves about it, but it was, it was one of those things where there was more to it than I thought. And it was really cool. I was glad I got to take a car ride with, um, MLJ mm -hmm. bring announcer for GCW the week leading up to it because he gave me some good tips and pointers. And I think it translated into it being a good experience for me. I had a great time and when I mean, you should definitely watch the show when it comes up on IWTV for a good cause. Definitely. Well, um, and Speaking of learning things and getting tips and tricks from people who have been there and done that, we're going to wrestling school today and we got a couple. Oh man, of... I got to go back. I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> we are really familiar with, uh, with today's guests. So you can, Slightly. you can talk. Why, why don't you introduce the first one? Well, since you mentioned going back to wrestling school, I think that it's only fair that our first guest is trainer at the Black and Brave Wrestling Academy, Merrick Brave. So Merrick, I hear, you know, we brought you on here to talk about training. That's what this episode is focusing on. But I heard you made your long awaited return to the ring recently. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I did. Uh, this is my first singles match in five years. I did do a six man tag about two and a half years ago, but it was heavily gimmicked and I didn't, uh, sure. I didn't do as much as the other men in that match. Thankful to them, by the way. But yeah, first singles match in five years. Uh, just a couple couple weekends ago, not too not too long ago, and uh, it was fantastic. It was great. Uh, the fans were very receptive to my return, so I'm very thankful for that. I didn't get injured, so that's a big win, uh, as far as I'm concerned. And uh, I think we'll do uh, We'll do a few more and see where it goes from there. But yeah, as of right now, I'm no longer a retired pro wrestler. I'm a, I'm an active competitor. So that's kind of fun. That's awesome. And obviously with uh, the training, uh, there, there's a certain amount of physicality that was in your day to day anyway. But what you did not have was that getting in front of fans and like doing a match start to finish, um, especially one on one was were you were you nervous at all? going back into that environment or is it just like riding a bike? You don't forget. Yeah. I would say that leading up to it, there would be moments of nervousness. Right. Um, but not as much as I expected 
uh, to be quite honest. And there were times where I would go back and watch matches of people's big returns. Like I watched uh, Shawn Michaels versus Triple H from SummerSlam 02. Um, mm-hmm. And that kind of put me at ease a little bit. And then I was in attendance uh, for WrestleMania night one when Stone Cold came back after 19 years and wrestled Kevin Owens. So I figured in that moment, like it was really that moment where any sort of nervousness completely left me. And I was like, if he can do it after 19 years, I can do it after five. You know, it's, it's, it's the same, right? It's, it's a very similar, similar experience. And, um, and I really liked the way that match went. Uh, I liked the story they told and just, just kind of, I hate this word, but the vibe of it was, uh, sure. It was fun, right? It was fun. It didn't have to be this like, you know, match filled with long convoluted spots and head drops and dives and all this stuff and 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 things that I used to do when I was younger, which I am not able to do anymore at the age of 35. I'll be 36 next month, especially after spinal fusion surgery, which I did have uh, four years ago. Um, and I'm just starting to feel healthy again, which is great, which obviously coincides with my return to the ring, but uh, all the nerves left in that moment. And then day of the show, I, I just felt ready. And I put my gear on for the first time in a number of years. Um, and I was in the locker room with the boys instead of being the promoter, putting on the show. I was, I had my, my wrestler hat back on. And, and mm-hmm. uh, when the music hit it, like you said, it felt like riding a bike. I, I went down the stairs, hit the entrance, the fans went crazy uh, and it was almost like an out-of-body experience where I knew what I was doing, but it felt like I was on autopilot, like in the best way possible, right? Like still obviously, you know, paying attention to the details and, and the in-between moments and making sure that the things that we had planned out uh, went as planned. Um, but it felt like I hadn't missed a beat. It felt like I hadn't, you know, taken five years off from from singles competition. So uh, it was a fantastic experience. I'm excited uh, to g- continue to do it. It went really well. Um, the fans gave me just tremendous feedback, which is always great to hear. You know, as a performer, I think there's, uh, you know, a performer who stops performing always has a hole that needs to be filled. Um whether that's, you know, being cheered by the fans, booed by the fans, whatever it may be, you just, you want that reaction. And uh, I realized that I missed it a lot more than I thought I did. And and to get that reaction, the desired reaction, and to make people feel how I wanted them to feel, uh, it was pretty special, man. It was, it was pretty special. That's really awesome to hear. I know that um, the past few times I've visited Black and Brave, you've been working very, very hard to get back to go to the ring. So it was very heartwarming to see you have that match and to see the reception just on social media that people were super happy for you. Thank you. Um, So you guys uh, were trained by Danny Daniels. Yes. Did that have any influence on your training structure at Black and Brave? Yeah, I would definitely say so. you know, it'd be hard not to kind of emulate his training style, um, which I think we both do. Funny, I think, so like Seth gets this, um, you, you know, he gets the memes and the videos made with his voice and his laugh. We're like, <laughs> right? He didn't used to talk like that. And he didn't used to laugh like that. When we started training with Danny and when we finished training with Danny, that's when he adopted 
that tone of voice and that laugh because that's how Danny talks as a Greek man from Chicago. That's how he speaks and that's how he laughs. And and suddenly uh, Rollins, we'll just call him Colby, he kind of morphed into Danny at the time and it never left. And now it's become this monster. It's taken on a life of its own. Um, so yeah, I think we both emulate Danny in different ways. But yeah, Danny's... <laughs> Danny's style was definitely something that influenced me when we first started. I've kind of, you know, adopted my own style at this point uh, and I've taken things from certain people along the way. I did a lot of research um, when figuring out the curriculum for Black and Brave. Um, We don't just wing it there. I have uh, an actual curriculum, um, a syllabus almost, uh, which is typed out on my computer and I check it every day before training, even though we've just hit the 24th class. So you think I'd have it memorized by now, but you know, wrestling and, and headshots and CTE and all that stuff. But uh, I have a syllabus. I check it every day. I figure out, you know, what we need to do. I, I'm not going to say I follow it religiously. Every class is different. Sometimes you need to skip over something and come back to it later. Sometimes you need to spend a little more time doing uh, you know, one thing that that maybe another class picked up on quickly that an, that the current class uh, is struggling with. So there is a level of adaptability that goes along with training. But uh, uh, something interesting about me as as a trainer, I was finishing up uh, an education degree at a university here in Davenport, Iowa. When we started the school, I had a semester left until I would have had my uh, bachelor's in education. Um, I did not get that bachelor's of education. I did drop out to focus all my time, energy, uh, and effort into Black and Brave because I figured, you know, if I didn't do that and somehow it wasn't successful, I wouldn't be able to to live that down. I'd always, you know, think to myself, oh, what if I would have just done this differently? What if I would have spent more time into it? So uh, I was finishing up the degree, didn't get the degree, but did all the classes and the student teaching and all of that stuff. So I've been able to take what I've learned from college uh, about education and and mix it and and meld it with what I've learned through 19 years in the professional wrestling business and going to numerous training camps when I was younger and being trained by Danny and reading all of the books uh, by by different trainers and how they were trained and and we've kind of adopted our own style now um, that blends the best of all worlds I think. But yeah, I would say a significant amount of what we do was influenced by Danny Daniels. So I'll just say, and not having trained at all myself, I just write about it and talk about it. Uh, But of course, I have tremendous uh, respect for what all of you do in the ring between the ropes. Um, But what I've heard is that like this is a school with a reputation for turning out these really well-rounded, talented wrestlers. Um but also it's not easy. Not just anybody can get in and graduate from this program. Um, what would you say about that? Like if somebody, do you think it is particularly difficult compared to other schools for someone to get through black and brave? Um, and if so, like, what's the reason for that? Well, I don't, I wouldn't have the perspective of, of knowing how the other schools do um, their training. And I'm not sure what their graduate graduation rate is, Right, but, um, but I would say to your point, yes, uh, it's not supposed to be easy. Um, right. I feel like 
you know, you need to earn the right to be a professional wrestler. So, um, you know, we'll give you all the tools. We like to say we put the tools in your toolbox. It's your job to build something with it. But we'll give you those tools, um, but you're going to have to earn it along the way. So it is difficult. It is um, challenging. It's, it's physically strenuous. It's mentally strenuous. Um, but I feel like we do give our students, um, like you said, a well-rounded education and we prepare them for what they're going to face uh, once they do graduate and they get out there in the wild world of independent wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause it is, it's, it's crazy out there and you never know what you're going to encounter. Sure. And we've all, you know, anybody who's done this for a decent amount of time, we've been on those shows where you get there and you're like, Oh, Oh no, no, nope. <laughs> nobody knows what they're doing. These wrestlers weren't trained properly. This promoter has no idea how to put on a show. I still need to be able to go out there, take care of myself, take care of my opponent and put on a good show uh, to give the paying fans their money's worth. So, um, you know, if it were easy, I think we'd be doing a disservice to the students who pay their hard earned money to come in and learn from, you know, I'm biased, but I consider us to be the best professional wrestling school in the country. Um, So, you know, it's supposed to be difficult. It's supposed to be hard. Um, but you truly feel like you've accomplished something when you make it through the 12 weeks. I always tell people, you know, mm-hmm. we've had plenty of students who have made it through the 12-week training program, and they've then decided that they did not want to be a professional wrestler. They didn't want to wrestle on shows in front of an audience. And that's okay, because no matter if you go on to be the next Seth Rollins, Nathan Frazier, uh, Steve Manders, Zicky Dice, you know, Kaya McKenna, whoever it may be, um, or you, you know, you accomplish this goal that you set out to accomplish and you never wrestle again. You can always look back on your experience with us. And oftentimes our graduates, graduates will say, that's the hardest thing I've ever done in my entire life. So I tell them, listen, life's hard. Everything you do in life's hard. It's not just the professional wrestling business. That's hard. You're going to go out there and you're going to get married someday and have kids someday or, or go to college someday or get a job that's extremely difficult someday, have to work with coworkers you don't like, have a boss you don't like, and figure out how to navigate those relationships. And it's going to be difficult. But you can look back on the 12 weeks you spent with us and you can say, if I made it through that, I can make it through anything. So uh, I always implore people, stick it out. I know it's difficult, but it's 12 weeks until the rest of your life. And you can do whatever you want after that. But but, uh, you know, put everything you have into the training for the 12 weeks and it'll be rewarding in one sh- way, shape or form. Kai, Kai, I know you have a question, but I just have to comment real quick. That's such a good point to not let people go by um, and just coast through. It's the same argument that like, yes, a teacher could technically pass you in a class and then you wouldn't you'd be able to go on to the next grade level or 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 uh, not go to summer school or whatever it is. But aren't they doing you a disservice in the long run if they just let you get away with not learning what you were supposed to learn? And it's not yeah, it's not about being mean or harsh for its own sake. It's about building you into a better person. The worst thing I think we could do is not prepare our students for what they're going to face once they graduate. And then they, they go out and they get on a show and they either embarrass themselves in front of a live audience or, you know, God forbid, they hurt themselves or hurt someone else. We don't want that. That That's a bad look on them. That's a bad look on us. We want to make sure that when they leave our school, they're able to represent us to the best of their abilities. Um, 
And, you know, that's not to say every graduate is going to be capable of a WrestleMania main event after 12 weeks. That's just not how it works. Um, but we do offer continued, continued training at our school after you graduate at no extra cost. I know a lot of schools charge a monthly fee after the initial training session is over. That's not something we do. Uh, I think Kaya can attest to that. She's been back numerous times since she's graduated, and we've never asked her for a dime. Um, once you graduate, your family, and you'll always have a home at Black and Brave. You know, for it being probably the hardest thing I did in my life, and, and I came from a competitive martial arts background, and I can say it was the hardest thing I did in my life. I'm so glad that I saw it through and that I have you guys to call family. And I can't wait to come visit and do a little bit of rehab soon. Heck but yeah. I was, I was, um, you know, I said, I okay, so oh, I have words. Okay. I came from a competitive martial arts background, and I'm like, man, this was really, really difficult, and and rightfully so, as it should be. But we have noticed there have been an influx of people pursuing professional wrestling that maybe don't have any athletic background whatsoever. Like they're, they're like theater kids or people that are real, like comic con type people. How do you how do you like work with those sorts of students that aren't necessarily coming in peak physical condition or in the right headspace for something athletic? Sure. Uh, you know, I'm not going to lie. It is more difficult for those types of people to come in. Um, do well, excel. Um, not saying it's impossible, but having an athletic background is important because even though wrestling's not a, uh, you know, a competition, so to speak, not a not an actual sporting event with real winners and losers. Hopefully, I'm not ruining this for anyone who who may be listening right now. I, I mean, I'm just I'm floored here. I'm. <laughs> I, I feel like we, to me. We've you didn't tell me that point. in class. It's wild. When I when I broke into the business 19 years ago, I remember a ring announcer getting a ton of heat. Um, I'll name him, Joey Eastman. It was Joey Eastman, Sydney oh. Bacavella. Oh, Sydney uh, Bacavella. Great, great dude. Love him to death. <laughs> um, I was on I a show with so him much. where I was a security guard, and I remember all the wrestlers giving him so much heat for doing an interview with the local newspaper where he admitted that wrestling was, was a predetermined act. And that was 2003, 2004. Uh, and he was getting so much crap for it. So now, even though, you know, through Twitter and, and all the social medias and everything, clearly everyone knows that this is a show, this is an act, even though that's a well-known fact, I still feel a little like, you know, like I'm putting my hood up and looking around before I'm like, well, you know, this is pre-planned, right? But, uh, you know, even with all that, it still takes athleticism. You still need to be some sort of athlete. You know, you don't have to be the 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 best athlete we've ever seen, you know, but it takes, you know, coordination and and timing and, you know, a little bit of muscle development to be able to move how you want to move. Um, and we luckily here at Black and Brave, we have an extensive fitness program that runs alongside the wrestling program. So you, not only are you required to train in the ring three days per week, but you're required to complete three fitness classes with our certified instructors three days a week as well. Um, so as you build your wrestling skills, you're also building your physique and your athleticism alongside that. So I think we do offer, you know, back to that well-rounded um, training that we offer. I think that's a big part of it where it's not just encouraged that you're in good, you know, physical shape, but we require it because you will be 
you know, working out and Kaya, you can, you can attest to that, that that's, you know, maybe not as hard as the wrestling training, but it's still difficult in and of itself, especially for people who haven't uh, partaken in that level of physical fitness activities before. Well, wrestling is very explosive, at least from what I've noticed, like you need a lot of power and need to have a lot of ballistic power. And unless you came from a sport where that was front and center, you probably don't have that. So I was, you know, for as hard as it is, I was very grateful that you guys helped us build that so we could be safe in the ring. Yeah. And, and, you know, we, we base our fitness program around like kind of CrossFit sensibilities. Um, and we've just found throughout the years that that's, you know, kind of the workout that the high intensity interval training is, is kind of the best training that translates to what you'll be doing in the ring. So we've kind of shaped our workouts around uh, those types of things. And, and you, you know, you were there where I'll talk about, OK, we're going to do this move. Notice what we're doing in this move. We're doing a squat here or we're doing a burpee here. Um, so you can see how the two worlds kind of kind of mesh. It's basically power cleaning humans over and over right. and over again when you think about it. <laughs> but and that's not to knock the, the the students who come in who didn't play football, basketball, tennis, soccer, whatever it may be, um, because the performance side of wrestling is just as, if not more important than the athletic side of wrestling. So those students have a leg up over the other students who may have just played football or or something like that before coming in. So uh, there are different ways to skin a cat, so to speak. Um, are we allowed to say that anymore? Is PETA going to get at us on this podcast? I don't know, but uh, I don't think, I don't think they listen. No, PETA's not, not avid listeners. All I right. mean, they wouldn't let big yeah. Japan do another gator death match for what, for what it's worth. <laughs> oh, we did hear that, but that we heard that yeah. from Drew. We didn't hear that from them. Yeah. But I mean, so Either, you know, you come in and, and you're really athletic, but you don't have the performance side or you come in and you're great at the performance side, but you need to work on the athletics. We're going to work with you on all of that. And we're going to try to make sure that by the end of the 12 weeks, you're going to have a solid foundation to build upon once you get out there in, in the independent ranks. Again, I have the luxury of, of observing and writing and analyzing it. Never been a good athlete. Um, but it seems like a lot of this is built on the original foundations of the, of the sport side of it, which was to keep one another safe while making money. Um, and if you can't keep yourself and your opponent safe, then yeah, it's probably better that you go do something else because it's, you're not going to do yourself or your opponent any favors. If, if one or both of you are getting seriously hurt, I mean, and obviously accidents happen, but I mean, that, that's gotta be a big part of it, right? Oh yeah, for sure. That's our number one focus. I think, the times where people have seen me most angry are the times where somebody's being unsafe um, and not taking care of, of their partner in the ring. Um, and it's led to injuries. We've had broken arms and, and torn ligaments and, and this, that, and the other. Um, but, you know, that's a main focus of what we're teaching, how you can stay safe uh, in addition to keeping your, your, you know, we say opponent, but you're really partners in there. You're really dance partners. So, so keeping your partner safe um, so that you guys can turn around, make the drive home, take care of your loved ones, you know, work whatever job you may have during the week and then hop back in the car and do it again the following weekend. You know, we were talking a lot about the physical readiness for wrestling. And then um, obviously the mental toll that going to wrestling school can take on you. And, you know, there are days I remember there was a day where I was bloody because I busted my face on something in CrossFit. I had 
snot and sweat and dirt on my shirt. Like, I think I puked during one of the drills. It was just not a very good day for me. And I think that happens to all of us, maybe not all of us, but the majority of us have a day like that when we're at wrestling school. So how do you support students and pick them up on days that are harder or they're frustrating, or maybe they're having a mental block on something? How do you um, encourage them to keep moving forward? I think days like that are fantastic. I think days like that <laughs> are, are, are very much needed for everyone because it gives you a very realistic expectation for what it's going to be like once you graduate, you hit the road, you get on the shows, you drive eight hours to find out that you're in a three-minute squash match, you get beat up because your opponent wanted to be a little rough on you because they needed to look strong that night. So you got a busted up nose. The promoter gives you $5 for your eight hour drive. And guess what? Now you got to tear down the ring and turn around at two o'clock in the morning and make another eight hour drive. You know, halfway through, you look down, you're finding bruises on your arms and your legs that you didn't even know you had. You finally get home. You don't have time to sleep because you got to get to your regular job because you just lost how up, you know, especially now with the gas prices out there, you just lost however much money just so you could partake in that three minute squash match. And, you know, you got to wipe yourself down real quick, put on your work uniform, hop into your regular job and then work an eight hour shift while people are being jerks to you the entire time you're trying to, you know, sell them furniture or whatever you choose to do during the week. But it's a very realistic uh, example of what you're going to face once you get into this business. I, I think I wouldn't say a lot, but enough people uh, decide to start training because they see the glamorous side of wrestling. They see the the gold championships and they see the million dollar contracts and they see the wrestlers traveling the world to, to Paris and Tokyo and, and Australia and whatever it may be. And they forget that there's years upon years upon upon years, forgive my language, of eating shit sandwiches and learning to like the taste before you ever get to taste that filet mignon. You know what I mean? So uh, when you have a bad day at training, like you said, and, and you get beat up doing the fitness, you get beat up doing the wrestling and you puke all over yourself and you're covered in your, your sweat and so somebody hot. else's sweat and whatever it may be. And yeah, when you train, you know, when you train in those summer months, people think, oh, yeah. Iowa, it's not that bad. We have the Dude. worst of every season. In the winter, it's negative 20 degrees with ice and snow. In the summer, it's 100 degrees and super humid. And we don't have air conditioning in the gym because Seth Rollins gets off on, on working out in 120 degree weather. I'm not sure why. I get so sweaty just walking <laughs> in before I do it's anything. Literally, it's literally like being at like the rhino scene from Ace Ventura. Like yes. you walk in. Warm! <laughs> kind of hot in these rhinos exactly so i mean it's just that's just how it's going to be and you have to you have to embrace the good with the bad and you have to to recognize that when you first start out there's probably going to be a lot more bad days than there are going to be good days but if you love it and you're passionate about it like everybody says in their applications and when they show up on that first day i'm here because i love wrestling and i'm passionate about it if that's the case then you'll do whatever it takes to get through, to to be able to to start you know your journey on the independence, and then as the years go by, you'll climb those ranks over and over and over again, 
you knock it out of the park when you get those opportunities and, and eventually it will suck as much. I can definitely attest to that. I, um, when I finally started to get some of the, the fruit, right. You finally start to get some of the fruit from all the grind, like whether it be getting booked at beyond or getting booked at GCW or AAW, then you, you, it makes it worth it. Like you look back on those days and you just feel this sense of pride and accomplishment from how far you've come. It definitely is a thing. You know, one thing I'm kind of curious about, um, and this is having just earlier today, I was listening to uh, figure four radio with Brian Alvarez and Lance storm. And they were talking about this idea of, um, you know, a challenge for a lot of wrestlers who are kind of thrown in on the deep end, like specifically the NXT wrestlers is not having the reps. Um, and I mean, I, I think that's a very specific question around that show, which I, I want to ask you to comment on, but I guess what I am wondering is, you know, when you get your driver's license, you learn how to drive the car enough that you can pass your test, you can park the car, you can walk away with your license, right? But a lot of the stuff that you really learn is getting out there every day, being on the road and learning what it's like in traffic and learning what it's like when someone cuts you off and all this other stuff. Um, how do you prepare people for this other than just saying, go out there, get your bookings, maybe steering them towards some of them? How do you prepare people for that un unpredictable mess that is awaiting them once they graduate? Sure. And, you know, to be fair, I'm not sure that you can fully prepare anyone for that. Like you said, it is kind of just trial by error um, going out there and, and learning, mm -hmm. you know, learning as you go along. You know, you're going to have to get those bookings that aren't fun, that kind of suck. And you realize, mm -hmm. you know you know, what you can do to, to kind of move past that. It helps. I think in black and brave, it helps that we have a nice uh, tight knit community. So a lot of times when, when the guys and girls are getting on shows, they're riding together. They have friends that are there to support them. Um, very similar to how Seth and I broke in. We were always for the first couple of years, we were always on shows together. We were booked against each other. We were booked as a tag team. Um, so we were able to, no matter who was at the show and who might've been, hazing us this way or that way, which was far more commonplace back then. Um, and, you know, no matter how the matches went, we were there for each other and we could, we could kind of commiserate on the ride home. Uh, don't do it in the locker room where people can hear you. That'll get you heat and you'll have a whole nother can of worms to deal with. But uh, once you're in the comfort of the car ride home with your, your trusted comrades, you can uh, kind of discuss how it, discuss how everything went. But uh, yeah, I don't think there is a lot you can do to prepare for that. You know, we'll tell our, our horror stories and looking back, we laugh about them now. Uh, we probably weren't laughing as they were, as they were going down. Um, but you know, everything worked out all right for us. So we survived and, and they can too. So, you know, you do the best you can and we're there for them if they ever need anything and they want to talk about something or just want to vent, you know, I, a lot of the students have my phone number. Everybody has the email that they can, they can email and, and talk about stuff. And if there's ever a serious situation, which has only, you know, come up a couple times over the last eight years. But if there's ever a serious situation, you better believe we've got your back and we're going to talk to who we need to talk to, to make sure that that situation gets cleared up. I appreciate that you guys are so available and supporting of all of us. I, I know when I had my AEW dark match and I was a little bit down in the dumps about it, I was able to speak with you and you gave me a really good perspective on how to move forward and keep pushing. And it was really what I needed to hear on that day. So thank you sure. for that. Yeah, no problem. 
I like that there was a, a, a like a vaguely threatening air too. Like if we find out that somebody has really wronged one of our students. Well, you know, like we're not trying to be jerks about anything, but we've been around a little bit, a couple sure, of decades yeah. apiece here. And obviously my partner has kind of gotten to the, the top of the mountain. So, I mean, if, you know, that's not to say every time you have a problem, we're going to come solve it for you. You know, people need right. to fight their own battles. But if we take a step back and look at the situation and realize that something really egregious has has, has gone on, we'll step in and, and talk to who we need to talk to. But like I said, that's only been a couple times over an eight year period. And, sure, and yeah. at the end of the day, everything was resolved nice and easy. So. That's good. It's almost like there's a whole nother side to wrestling that occurs outside of the ring, like the actual business yeah. of wrestling and the professional part of professional wrestling, right? Like how do you <laughs> conduct yourself as a professional in this business wrestling environment? And I, I always appreciated that you guys always gave us good advice as to how to go about that and how to, you know, diffuse situations and solve problems and like peacefully get over roadblocks and, and not create any stress or tension for ourselves. It's unnecessary. Yeah, that's, I mean, this business is hard enough. You don't need to be worrying about that stuff too. So anything you can do to make your life easier and make the lives of those around you easier, we're all for that. Hmm. Hmm. Professional, professional wrestling. <laughs> yes, <laughs> we hope. <laughs> we hope. Uh, so we asked, uh, we did another interview for this episode and we asked that guest, if they had any particular advice for somebody who was looking for training schools near them, maybe they don't have the option or the uh, ability to come out to black and brave or uh, any number of other great schools around the country, around the world. Um, but they're still interested in doing this and they have a couple of options. Like what do you recommend for prospective students who are looking to get the best possible training experience? Well, I would say, you know, whatever you need to do to find a reputable trainer, that is your best route. You know, if it costs a little bit extra, pay the little bit extra. Uh, if it's a, a little bit further of a drive, do the, the further of the drive. It's so important to get reputable training and to make sure that you have trainers who genuinely care about you uh, and, and your progression through the business. Um, but also there's so many people out there who are just either unqualified to give you proper training or who just want to take your money and have no interest in giving you quality training anyways. It's not, you know, there's people who are trying to give good training. They're just not qualified to do so. But then there are those who have no interest in training you the right way. They just want to collect your money and, and move on with their lives. So finding a reputable school is, you know, the top recommendation that I can make. And you can do so by talking to graduates from the school. So if you know, oh, this guy or this girl went to this place, let me talk to them and and, and try to get their unfiltered opinion on how their training went. Um, and don't, you know, talk to the people who are still there, you know, maybe they're helping with coaching or whatnot, because sure. that's going to be a biased opinion. Try to try to ask some non-surface level questions and and really get to the heart of the matter. But, you know, that reputable school thing, that's really the most important thing. And there are so many schools out there right now. I just saw Jerry Lynn opened up a school in Tennessee. And I love that. I love Jerry Lynn. I've had a lot of experience working with Jerry Lynn. He's still a good buddy of mine. Uh, I've learned so much from him uh, outside of, you know, 
Danny, who was my original trainer, I would say I learned the most when I was younger, 18, 19 years old from Jerry Lynn. So, you know, if you're in that area, go check him out. There's just a number of schools out there. There's so many right now. So uh, don't just settle for Joe Schmo, who's 45 minutes from your house and he trains Mm -hmm. in a barn once every three months when he feels up to it. You know, you're just, you're not going to learn the right way. You're not going to get the quality training. Um, if it's something that you're truly passionate about and something that you truly want to do at a high level, you got to find high level. That had to be so cool to learn from Jerry Lynn. He's one of my favorites of all time. Uh, He was the best. I wrestled him for the first time when I was, I want to say 18 years old. I think I I was 18. I might've been 17. Um, And I was so, so, so nervous um, just because I was a big fan of his. Uh, watching the ECW stuff and and his matches with RVD and and all of that. And uh, we locked up and he could tell I was so nervous right from the jump. And he literally in the most calming, soothing voice was, hey, lighten up. We're just going to walk and talk and have a good time. And I just immediately felt at ease and and it was the best. And then the next day, uh, Colby and I, Seth and I were on a, a show with him two and a half, three hours away. And we ended up driving together because he was catching a flight out of the the city that we were going to. And he bought us Cracker Barrel on the way. And uh, uh, I think he paid for the meal and then was like, but you guys are paying the tip, which is like, (laughs) which is hilarious, right? That's like very professional wrestling right there. Like, I'll take care of you, but to a point. But uh, he was great. He still texts me on my birthday every year. Um, to wish me a happy birthday. And every time I see him at WrestleCon or or randomly at an event here or there, we we catch up and he's great. So cool. Um, Kaya, I, uh, we could keep Mark here all day and night and talk <laughs> talk to him about so many things, uh, but I want to be mindful of his time. I know he's had a long day of, uh, of work, but do you have any other questions before we let him plug what he wants to plug and let him let him out of here? No, I really just appreciate you and your willingness to come on and speak so candidly about the experience of wrestling school. Hopefully a lot of people take away from the information, things they didn't know, or they had questions that are now answered. That's all we could really hope for. And you certainly delivered. So thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you. And I'm happy to be able to do that. You know, when I went to, when I decided I was going to go to wrestling school, I grabbed every wrestler's biography I could find. And I read about all the horror stories of training and everything like that. Uh, Cause there weren't things like this podcast didn't exist sure. and, and there was no network with documentaries, you know, this, that, and the other. So I, I tried to prepare myself as much as possible, but I think there's a lot of avenues where, where people in this day and age can prepare themselves far better than we were able to 20 years ago. So if I was able to do that for somebody today, uh, I'm happy to be able to provide that service. Awesome. Well, before you go, anything you'd like to plug, social media, website, projects, the school? Sure, sure, yours. sure. Well, crazy. We, Black and Brave, we are full uh, until May of 2024 right now. We have the next two wow. years. Wow. Um, but we are, accepting, yeah, we are accepting applications for uh, just a few more spots in May of 2024 and September of 2024 at Um, You can follow us on Twitter at Black and Brave, on Instagram at Black and Brave Wrestling. Uh, if you'd like to follow me, I'm mbrave13, mbrave13 on Twitter, 
Instagram, no Facebook. I've never had a Facebook. I'm one of those crazy people who, who never had a Facebook. So uh, you won't be able to find me there. But uh, And if you're local, if you're in the Midwest uh, and you'd like to come check out some independent wrestling featuring many graduates of the Black and Brave Wrestling Academy, I run an independent independent promotion called SCW Pro. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at SCW Pro. Boom. I think I hit it. Yeah, that was that was very yeah, efficient. Very Thank you so tight. much. That was an awesome conversation. I'm uh I always learn a lot from everybody we talk to on this show. Um and it was cool to hear the perspective of someone that you trained with and spent these like formative hours with and you know who he's not too he's not shy about the fact that he really puts everybody through the ringer, but he does it so that people can come out better on the other end. Um, and the other guest we have today has a, maybe a slightly different approach and, uh, different experiences in the wrestling business, but is really has a lot of the same goals when it comes down to it. And I know you also have some experience working with this person as well. Well, yeah, I, um, did not necessarily start my formative years at worldwide dojo, but I certainly spend a fair amount of time there on the East coast, honing my skills under the guidance of the world famous CB formerly known as Cheeseburger. And he decided that it was totally cool to come by and chat with us today about his process in training new students. So we're here with our guest who's a wrestler and trainer. And gosh, I just realized I don't know how to refer to you because I'm looking at your your Twitter right now. I was at the AEW uh, taping in Philly last week. You were very popular. People chanting Cheeseburger. You were introduced as Cheeseburger. But more recently, I've known you as the world famous CB. (laughs) <laughs> so which is it? Which what are, are, is it back and forth? Is it sometimes one, sometimes the other? What's going on? Uh, for a while, like when I first switched, I was super adamant about like only being called like world famous CV, especially like when when uh, Ring of Honor did the rebranding. Mm-hmm. Um, but as time went on, uh, I kind of like grown to accept cheeseburger again. And um, there'll be some shows where like they'll book me and just announce me as cheeseburger and some shows will call me world famous CB. And a lot of times like, I kind of whatever uh, for a while though, I, when I was going to Alaska. I was like, all right, cheeseburger only exists in Alaska. Cause the fans like that was, those are going to be my last dates as cheeseburger. <laughs> so like the fans loved it so much. It's like, oh, I'll just keep doing cheeseburger in Alaska and have fun with that there. Uh, but yeah, it's just right now uh, I've kind of grown to being like, oh, it's kind of like wherever fits the situation better. That makes sense. Uh and, you know, certainly depending on the situation, you know, if you're doing something a little more serious, maybe something mm-hmm. a little more uh, lighthearted. And I mean, it, can, it doesn't have to always be hard one or the other. Uh, but of course, we also world famous. We have won the fact that you're well traveled, have wrestled all over the world. But we also have the worldwide dojo where mm-hmm. you are the, the head trainer. Now, you are the, the head trainer at that dojo. You were previously training for ring of honor after training, you know, at ring of honor. So could you talk a little bit about for anyone who doesn't know your backstory, how you got from point A to, well, I mean, it's like point C or point D now. Uh, So I started at the the ROH dojo in about October, 2010. And I was like 17 and like high school and I started training there and um, your train was going really good. And then the way I became a trainer was just, it's almost like by accident. Basically it would be like, you know, at the time we would do a, a class every few months. So there'd be like three classes a year. So about one every four months. So my class ended up just being me and like another guy and that guy eventually left. So it was just me by myself. Um, so I was getting a lot of like reps and a lot of like uh, attention because it was just me and the, I was the only beginner at the time. 
And then when the next beginner class came in, uh, I remember there was like a day where there wasn't like a lot of people around. So uh, Delirious, he was, he was just saying, hey, uh, like Burger, can you, can you go show these people like uh, like lockups on the outside? And I was like, okay, yeah. So I would, like show them like basic stuff. And then um, he would start trusting me more and more as more classes came through over the years. Like, hey, can you show this, uh, this student this? Or can you take the student or show them how to do this? Um, everything like that. And then that eventually led to me uh, getting an assistant trainer role. And I did that for a few years before the, the ROH Dojo ended up moving to Baltimore in 2018. So they're, they're shutting everything down, moving to Baltimore in 2018. And a lot of my students wouldn't have a place to train, a uh, place to call home. So I decided, I was like, hey, this may not, this may not work. This may work, this may not. But I'm going to try and reopen the ROH school as my own school. And that's how the Worldwide Dojo was created. And it just progressed from there. Would you say that your experiences at the Ring of Honor Dojo heavily influenced your training structure at Worldwide Dojo? Oh, absolutely. It, it's basically like the same like honestly like uh i have a notebook from the first day i started training from like 2010 i still i still use it and i still teach from that notebook like i wrote everything that i learned down and um the curriculum that delirious and daisy hayes like had laid out and i still like follow like i I have my own like flavor with it now but for the most part it's like the same exact structure in terms of how the school is run how the classes are structured like some of the drills we run like things like that uh i i tried as much as possible to use that to influence how I, I would run my own school. Here's the thing that's really interesting, right? Is there are currently plenty of options for res- wrestling school. There's so many like divergent models, not only for the curriculum and how you teach, but also the length of time between starting school and graduation. So, you know, at Worldwide Dojo, it seems like you guys operate on more of a at your own pace approach. And mm-hmm. what are the advantages to training in this style? Um, I So I like, I like it because so we talked about how some schools like uh like i think like black and brave like flatbacks like lance storm schools a lot of them are like three like three month programs i'm not if i'm not mistaken uh we'd be like you know you get everything kind of you need in that three months um and then like another class comes in but uh just with how it was at the roh school and now i just uh i like to be very involved in like my students journey so i feel like I would like for me i wouldn't feel comfortable like putting someone out there to like wrestle after like three months uh i like to I, I think more like long-term and like, all right, I want to see these like students grow and progress and kind of be with them for the, for the journey. So it's kind of like a, like you said, like a, at your own pace type thing. Uh, I always tell people this, the curriculum for the beginner class, the advanced class on average, roughly like about six ish to like maybe eight ish months. But um, some people do it in as, as quick as five months and some people do it as quick as long as like a year, or maybe longer. Um, so it's kind of, I don't want to feel like I, I want everyone to kind of learn their own pace and understand that like, one person may understand something faster than the other. So I don't want to, the person that's taking a longer time to understand it, I don't want to just push them through the curriculum. Like, all right, like, like, you know, you did, you know, we worked on these strikes, uh, but you're not really good. I'm like, oh, let's go to the next thing. Uh, I feel like I would be doing them a a major disservice. So I just try and um, get, uh, I I feel like it allows me to give people there the proper amount of attention rather than just be like, all right, this is the curriculum, this is set. All right, let's keep working on this. Because if you have a whole class that's maybe, having uh an issue with a certain thing it's just a disservice to move on to the next thing so i, I really like it for more of a long-term like development of talent rather than just like a all right we're doing this 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 all right next class you know you speak of this long-term development and obviously you know with newer students you're starting them out 
with the basics and then you graduate onto these more advanced techniques. Um, one thing I've noticed is a casual observer seeing things on social media, a lot of wrestlers who are completely trained already, who've been out there and, and frankly already doing really impressive stuff in the ring will come and they'll, they'll work in the ring with you there. And there, there's photos being shared. So like, what's the approach when someone who has three or four years under their belt, who was trained by someone else, uh, wants to come in and sharpen their game what are the kinds of things that you work on with them um so when that happens uh you know we get a lot of people that either want to say uh like transfer over from another school or maybe just drop in for a few classes um uh i have like i have a very particular way i like to do things in wrestling but i also understand that everyone's not taught the same way um so i'm uh cognizant that like people will come in and kind of do things, maybe the, not the way that I would teach my students, but I always try and provide them with a perspective where it's like, you know, what you're doing maybe isn't like wrong, but like, here's the way I, I see things and maybe try it this way and see if you like it better or see what you think about it. Um, like, uh, so like, but if someone is say like transferring over full time, then I'll work to like, try and like adjust their style to kind of, uh, what I like to see and what I think, uh, works better for them. Cause, uh, I always tell my students like, you know, everything I'm teaching is like trial and error where it's like, all right, either things that I've done that maybe have worked, haven't worked or things I taught that maybe have worked, haven't worked. And over time, my, like my curriculum is always evolving and uh, my opinion on wrestling and training in general is always evolving as like, you know, I think it's, I feel like a lot of trainers have like one way of doing things. And like, even as wrestling has evolved, they just never change that mindset. Um, but if I see something done a different way, like, or things like that, I'm, I'm like, Oh, okay. That maybe I'll like, I never thought of it that way. I'll start adding this to my curriculum and start teaching it that way. Um, but yeah, if it's, um, here's a lot, especially, uh, when like people kind of talk about WWE, um, and I, and from a trainer's perspective, I completely understand their point where they're like, Hey, let's, it's easier to train athletes to do things our way rather than train like a 10 year, like independent wrestler to completely reshape their style um and like so i can from a trainer's perspective i get why they feel that way because it's easier to say to someone that has zero experience like hey do it this way and then they'll just do it because it's all they know rather than like someone that especially if you get someone like a bad attitude which is the absolute worst i'm sure kaya knows all about that <laughs> like like people like that to come in like where it's like the worst hey yeah worst. it's like hey try it this way and they're like well, I do it this way because, and now you, now you have to have that conversation where it's like, well, do it this way because of this. And they're like, well, I do it this way because of that. And then, but, but with someone that has zero experience, if you just say, Hey, do it this way. Like, all right, give, do your arm drag this way. They're like, Oh, okay. They'll do the arm drag this way. They're not going to fight with you over it. They're like, sounds cool. Right, That's yeah. how I'm going to do it. Um, it's really interesting. One of the things I've always appreciated about worldwide dojo is that you can drop in and you can add new things to your toolbox or sharpen up schools. Or schools sharpen up skills or even just learn a different way of doing something because there really is like obviously there's a right and a wrong way to do a lot of things in wrestling yeah. but there's very specific things that so maybe there's three right ways to do yeah, an arm yeah. drag per se right so you learn different approaches because not all coaches teach the same not everybody comes from the same backgrounds not everybody has the same interests in wrestling mm -hmm. right like if you go to a school that's more like strong style versus a school that's more like lucha you're going to have a different approach to a lot of the same things so i've always yeah. just appreciated that i can drop in there and i can learn new and different things that maybe i didn't learn at my school and, and vice mm -hmm. versa um 
I like that there's so much diversity in wrestling training in that sense. And I think that if you are a student and you are going to drop in and somebody shows you something and it is not how you were quote unquote trained, it's probably the best approach to just go, thank you so much for showing me that and reserve yeah. your bad attitude because somebody's yeah, trying to help you and like, make you better. <laughs> even if I like, even if I like, like someone that drops, even if I show them something or a way to do something, if they like never use it, like I at least just want them to understand that like, my perspective on why it's done that way not necessarily like hey do it this way or you're wrong like i i, I try to always <laughs> avoid telling anyone of my anyone of my students or anyone that like hey this is like wrong there's very few like completely wrong things in wrestling unless you're like actively like hurting someone or in like danger of hurting someone then that's wrong but very rarely wise be like hey never do this like ever i'm like hey it's like things are done this way like 90% of the time, but maybe there's like that 10% of the time where you would do it this way, but I'm trying to explain to you why you wouldn't do it this way most of the time. So, uh, but even if someone like never uses something, like that's fine. That's fine with me. I just want them to understand like why I would teach them that way, or at least like try it and see if they like it. I think that having the, the, the why and the how really helps people to understand as well, especially if like you're in a situation where something's not quite clicking giving that context can help. So that's a really, yeah. really cool little tidbit. You're, you've always been very good about that and, and very yeah, kind. There's, there's, people. Uh, there's like, there's teachers where it'd be like, oh, if you ask them like, oh, why is it done this way? They would just be like, oh, that's just like, because I said so. But like, if someone <laughs> asked me like, hey, why do you, uh, why you do it this way? I'm like, oh, and I'll like, you know, and it get, it's good too. It keeps me on my, on my toes thinking. I have to give them like an explanation. I'm like, yeah, oh, I do it this way because of this, this, and this, like, um, like for instance, like someone had asked me, like, why do you like a, why I teach like the international, like we like drop down leapfrog into the hip toss. Like when I teach someone like the leapfrog, I like them to pivot on their left foot and swing to the hip toss rather than stepping back their right foot. And someone asked me like, why do you do it that way? And I'm like, well, I this because this this and this. Like I think it works better because of these reasons. And they're like, oh okay. Right. I was just sitting here thinking like, which foot do I turn on? Like because a lot <laughs> of it then becomes muscle memory, and you're like. Like how yeah, many times has a student asked you something and you have to think about the answer because it's so much like it's so ingrained in you. It's like, wait, is yeah. it my right foot or my that's, left? Foot? That's the thing too. Like, with, yeah, training like experienced <laughs> people where it's like you know their muscle memory is so ingrained, especially especially if they've been doing something like uh, I won't say like wrong, but something that maybe doesn't look good or is like really bad. Uh, like for instance, like I'm very uh, the, my main thing. I'm like one of my main like pet peeves of wrestling is like people with, like really bad looking like arm drags uh and like that looked like scary like dangerous like taking or giving um so i'm really big on people like having proper arm drag form but like i did a seminar in alaska and that was one of the main things i wanted to teach them i was like i want to show them all like how to how i teach arm drags how i um, show my students arm drags um and i'm very like picky about arm drags in particular uh more like uh, more like a lot of other things uh so like i have a very specific set of i i, I feel like i have learned over the years of most of the things like how to teach things step by step to where I can I feel like I'm very good at breaking things down to people in a understandable like way uh, that's that's crucial as a teacher of anything if you're teaching someone to wrestle or write or drive a car mm -hmm. or, and I mean there are safe ways that you need to do things or else everything is just chaos and then once you know the rules you can safely break them in ways that make sense. Um, yeah. You mentioned that there's a move that's done 90% of the time it's done this way. It can be done this way if this and that, you know, um, mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's 
interesting to hear how these uh, approaches will work across different disciplines, but it makes a lot of sense because otherwise you're just telling people the because I said so approaches like, okay, someone might remember it or might not, but if they really know what they're doing and why, yeah. then they can, they can, uh, you know, retain that a little bit better. I think that's, that's crucial. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, you're going around, you've obviously learned from a lot of, uh, different people too, both in your training at ring of honor originally, but then of course, like you spent some formative time over in Japan, Mexico as well, I believe. Right. No, so, not Mexico. Yet. Oh, Mexico did not oh, work out. Right. No, 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 Sally, no, no, it didn't end up happening, but so hopefully yeah, yeah. Soon. yeah, yeah. Um, but, uh, you spent that time abroad, you know, and you were able to pick up these skills that you could bring back. Is there anything in particular that like you got in the ring with somebody, you know, behind the scenes or maybe even during a match where this never occurred to me before. And it was like this light switch moment where it just completely changed how you looked at something that you were doing. Maybe that's a hard uh, question. You mean like a, a moment where I was like in the ring and someone, someone like did something. Yeah. Like an aha moment. Like I never thought about this before. And now going forward, I have this. Oh, there was like a, uh, so it wasn't in like a match, but it was at like a, another, like a seminar that I would yeah, I yeah. attended at like a participant um, or like a couple of guys like teaching. Um, and then like one of the, one of the kids uh, from that uh, wrestling school was doing the seminar and we just did like simple, like tackle drills, like tackle drop down, like hip toss or something like that. And, um, this kid, he took some tackle and he, it's this guy, it's like, he's like got like, you know, like a year experience, like maybe like six, six months to a year, like super, super new. But I remember like, he said something in the seminar that I'd never thought about. And I started adding it like, not like one of the coaches, but it's like kid with like a year's experience said it. Right, right. Um, it was like something simple where it was like, he took the tackle, he like took the bump. Um, he went to like grab the person as they ran for the drop down. And then he went to the drop down instead of just dropping down. Right. And then someone, like one of the coaches, they were talking about drop downs. They're like, oh, do you know, like, why you like drop down? And he's like, or why you run from the drop down? He's like, oh, because you're like trying to like grab the person or something. They're trying to get away. And the coach said like he was wrong and they explained their reasoning. But I was like, wait, what he just said was like genius. It made perfect sense. Like, I'm like, right. and like my, in my head, I was like, yeah, you're like, you take, give the person tackle. They're trying to grab you, which causes you to run. And then you do, do that into the drop down and you get him with the hip toss after. I'm like, I was like, whoa, that's like, high level stuff that this kid just thought about. Uh, I don't remember who he was, but I remember like right. seeing that and him saying that and the coach saying it wrong. I was like, what are you, I was like, what are you talking about? That was genius. <laughs> uh, uh, so yeah, so that, 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 that was one of the, I, I teach that now because of that, that random kid at the seminar. So whoever that is, I thank that's you. That's incredible. That's, <laughs> um, I mean, that's, I mean, that that's psychology, sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. How many times have you seen somebody do that particular spot or just yeah. somebody waiting for the shoulder tackle and they're right, just yeah. standing there waiting? Yeah, and then they just and like, that, wait that makes the, so much sense. To oh, I, I'll give you guys add. another one actually. This one's actually more funny than anything. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, one, of my, one of my new students said this recently. He uh, He's like standing there, like in the ring. We're all just kind of like sitting around. He's like, uh, oh, wait. He's like, he's like, looking off into the distance. He's like, wait, I finally understand it. I'm like, what? He's like, why well, it's called the face and the heel. I'm like, okay. <laughs> He goes, they're the face. And he puts his hand up. He's like, they're the face because they look you in the eye while they're fighting you, like up here in your face. He goes, and they're the heel because they're dirty and like down low, like the heel of your boot. I'm like, and we all kind of like looked at each other. We're like, what? <laughs> he says this again. But we're like, <laughs> I'm like, you're not wrong. Yeah, it's like, it's not wrong. <laughs> Where did that come from? I'm like, that, actually, that, makes, that makes sense in a weird ass way. 
It's like he was really thinking about it too for an extended period yeah, of time. I was like, you I'm, can you see the gears like, returning. He like is just looking <laughs> off into like the distance. I'm like, you all right? He's like, he's like, yeah. He's like, the face look, looks you in your face because they're like brave and they're fighting you, and the heel is dirty like the heel of a boot. <laughs> I'm like, sort of down low. That. I'm, like, no, I'm, I'm like, not that, right, that, but like. I don't think that's the historical reason, but <laughs> I mean, you could see this person have a, uh, a second career too, as a poet, maybe because that's, that's abstract Very esoteric. way of looking at. Yeah. yeah. You know, and, um, and speaking of your students, you know, you've got some notable students out there moving and shaking right now. You got Eli Isom, Ryan yeah, Mooney, uh, Vita Von Starr, who's incredible. I mm. adore her. Uh, Damaris Dawkins. And then uh, Wheeler Yuta as well. Yeah. Um, and having such an impressive resume of students, how, how have you set your students up for success? Um, so I just try and like make sure they're as prepared as possible for their like for when they finally go out there. Um, and I, you know, you know, you're, ne- you're never ready for your first match, no matter how much you train. No, you know, you train for like three years, <laughs> never be ready for your first match. Um, but I just try to so like anytime they have their first match, I always try to I always try to make sure that they're you're debuting like in like say maybe like uh shield school is running or like a place that i know that like i know they're gonna be like taken care of and like okay um so i always want to make sure they're in like a like a nice safe environment when they first debut and then after that i'm just like all right like hey now you can start taking bookings you can start getting out there but i'll try and help them as much as possible where i'm like hey i'm going to a show like if you want to like ride with me like come to the show or i'm like uh, we're going here, you know, maybe you'll get a match, maybe not, but we want to take the road trip, like come with me. So I try, like, I try and put them in places where they can, uh, I try and help them as much as, as much as I can, um, in terms of just connections and getting out there or if someone like needs a person, I'll bet, say, Hey, I got a bunch of students, like need someone for this match, you know? So I just try and like as much as possible, like a system and, and anything possible. Um, and I, I look at it as like, I like, I, I have to help them, but I, I don't want to help them too much in a way where they become complacent and just like, all right, well, Burger's going like, to help me get shows. I, I want them to still, like, to be proactive about getting bookings and going out and helping at shows and showing their face and everything. Um, because I think so many so many people, like, get kind of lost in things, especially, um, I think the worst is when, like, say a school, like, not that we have, we don't have, like, a home promotion attached to Worldwide, but, like, a lot of schools will have a home promotion attached to them where they were like, wait, like weekly or like monthly or stuff like that. And I think because students have that umbrella to fall back on, they, there is very easy for them to get complacent uh, and not want to really go out there. They're like, Oh, well I don't have any bookings like outside my company, but I have this like one booking like a month that uh, my, my school does. So I'm good with that. Um, and then they just become stuck in that bubble with that endless loop. And then they get comfortable because they're wrestling they're having good matches against people they train with all the time, but they're never like reaching that ceiling and like learning more because they're just like stuck in that bubble. So I always try and avoid that with my students as well. Like um, get them getting stuck in just the, the, the worldwide bubble. Cause I always see, I see that happen with so many other schools. It happens everywhere. And you know, it's really interesting because there's nothing I love more than having a good match with somebody I trained with like that. That's awesome when that happens, but I also really enjoy getting to have matches with people that I've never wrestled before, have no idea where they came from, don't know anything about their school or their training. Like, I think that's a fun little challenge and that does yeah. help you grow. So it's cool that you encourage your students to like get out of the quote unquote proverbial fishbowl. Yes, absolutely. You know, you're very 
we'll say neck deep in this training now you're doing you're devoting so much of your time to it but you're also definitely still an active wrestler we as you mentioned earlier i uh as recently as last week and a young guy you know could still do a lot in the ring um and certainly like you know you've got years of experience now that you can apply and go out there and achieve whatever it is you want to achieve how do you balance that with the training which is a time-consuming thing and you know certainly i'm sure helps pay the bills as well um with this trying to pursue your own success in the ring as a wrestler um well what what helps a lot is that uh i i'm able to set the training schedule so it like works around like my wrestling schedule so mm-hmm. uh for the most part like we're usually always on like the weekdays like monday through thursday and then uh, that frees up my friday saturday and sunday for uh for shows um but i have something like um where I have something like the midday, like weekday, or, or where I have to like, where there'd be times where I have to like fly out for Ring of Honor on like a Thursday or something like that. So then, like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm able to like at least like structure my schedule around that, maybe add an extra day, like another week to make up for it, things like that. Um, but I haven't had uh, much issue with it. Um, the only main issue is like, most for the most part, is like physically, I guess, um, it, because when I'm, in, when I'm training, like, unless I'm like, it, like, you know, something's like injured or something like that, I'm like, usually always in the ring with like uh like my like guys and girls like at school so like um i'm like you know we train four days a week i'm in the ring four days a week like doing like all the drills with everyone and then um if i have like a busy weekend like two shows three shows and it's like there's been times where um i've had like a full seven days of like training where it's like four days of training three shows and then that Monday, I go back to training and have another four days of training. I've been in the ring like eleven days, like like straight at one point, like maybe longer. <laughs> it's like so. I'm like now. It's like you know, I'm still like you know, still young. So I'm like, oh, it's, it's okay. But uh, maybe at, at a certain point, I'll have to cut back on that and kind of be smarter about it. But uh, yeah, I'm getting uh, getting a lot of ring time, getting a lot of reps, and you know, it's helped me. It helped me stay uh, very crisp and everything throughout the pandemic and all that. Yeah. There wouldn't, there wouldn't be a lot of ring rust in that situation. Um, mm. I've got to think one thing that would make it difficult specifically with ring of honor, if you're trying to run your school is that there was the bubble. And if you were doing anything with them, you'd be limited in terms of that. Am I right about that? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I would try to structure my training around when we have to take our COVID test stuff. So it would be uh, and um, at the time too, we we're still like, and still now we uh, like training like masks and everything. And um, at the time, too, I was having my students get this before the vaccine came out. I was having my students for, uh, send COVID tests every, uh, like, I think, like, two weeks early on in the pandemic. Um, just kind of keep safe. And um, thankfully, we had, like, uh, I know a lot of schools have, like, COVID outbreaks. Like, we were one of the few schools that, like, I know of that, like, didn't have any, like, big COVID outbreaks between the masks and the, the, the mandatory testing. Um, but I would structure my train schedule around like, all right, Hey, I got to take this COVID test and be in quarantine until we go to the bubble and then go to the bubble. So, uh, you know, the train schedule would be way lighter during those times. Thankfully that was only like, uh, once a month. Uh, so it wouldn't be like too intrusive, but sure. yeah, I would, I would, um, like close down training, you know, there'd be like a, like maybe like a week to like eight days where maybe there wasn't any training or, um, uh, I would have one of my other students like run class or like do like an open ring, things like that while I was away. But yeah, I would, I was, I would structure my schedule around that. I love it. That's just an extension of what you're, you know, you're do- taking certain measures for your in-ring work with ring of honor. And then you're taking those 
very similar precautions. I mean, there's not literally a bubble because, you know, presumably mm -hmm. people are still out working their jobs and stuff, but having these regular tests, having these masks when I, I've got to think a lot of schools were not doing that, even if they were supposed yeah, to yeah. be doing that per mm -hmm. local uh, guidelines. Um, so, you know, kudos to you for that. Cause that's, that's a lot to juggle. I think on a, a an ethical level, that's great. And a work ethic level, that's great. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I, I hope, a lot of people hear this and and understand how much uh how conscientious you were about that because i think a lot of people can yeah. learn from you yeah i was like super i was like super paranoid about everything that COVID, you know rightfully so uh, sure yeah but uh yeah i think i think in terms of, like schools i think we were like you know i think we're one of the schools that took like one some of the most precautions like i would say you know like between the testing and the mask and, like uh, I, we might be one of a few schools that still requires people to wear masks. Um, I don't know, like when we'll end with that. I'll probably see how the next few months goes, but, uh, at this point it just became, it just became kind of like routine for us. Um, where we just in the train. I mean, I remember when we first started wearing a mask, like all our cardio was like messed up. It was, oh, it was so bad. Yeah. It was so it bad. Was yeah. I was like, I am yeah. dying. It was, it was rough. <laughs> um, but now I'm just kind of like used to, and I think it's made like our cardio like better because we just like, oh yeah, probably yeah. So I'm like, I'm just like used to it now. Um, but uh, there was a the funny thing is, uh, especially when we started getting like a ton of new students, like there's a one point where I had like like seven, eight kids in like the beginner class that like all started like roughly around the same time. And uh, there was, I remember there was like months where I didn't like know what the bottom half of my students like faces looked like. <laughs> so I remember one, uh, uh, I don't know if you remember Steve uh, who repped that yeah. uh, leapfrog every time. I remember he came I like do. leapfrog. Um, like he didn't have his like, he like was getting changed. Like he had his mask off. And I was like, I just, I was like, I'm knowing you for like, five months i didn't even realize what the bomb half of your face looked like <laughs> that's wild you know and we were just um it's interesting because we were talking about how like the physical strain on your body and then obviously like the physical readiness and, and the cardio and all of us dying in the masks for the first couple of months yeah. and i think it's safe to say that if you want to go to wrestling school at this point one of your priorities should be getting into shape and being physically ready but yeah. you know we, we often overlook the idea of mental preparation and yes. that wrestling can be very difficult. And it's something that maybe it can, is not for everybody in that sense, or people get into wrestling and they're not ready for the mental toll that it's going to take on them. So physical preparation aside, how could someone prepare themselves mentally for what they're going to endure in wrestling school? Uh, this is a tough answer. Like Harvey wants to say like, there's no preparation for it. Uh, because like wrestling is so like wrestling training and the wrestling business is so unlike like anything most people have experienced. Um, I think people that have any kind of uh, what's the word I'm looking for, like showbiz experience, I guess, will probably feel will probably adapt to the actual business side of wrestling a lot better because they kind of understand like how things work and they kind of understand like the the BS that comes with it and like maybe some people like trying like that not it's not as much as it's like now but you know like people like going behind your back doing things other stuff like that um so if you're like from the showbiz you'll probably understand it a lot more but in terms of like training like ah man i don't think there's anything that can like uh, adapt you for it because to start off wrestling is so unnatural it's like the exact <laughs> opposite of what we're uh, being taught to do our entire lives like We've been like, we've been, like, you know, if you slip on the ice and fall, you're putting your hands down trying to protect yourself. But now you have to like not put your hands down, just embrace the bump and just attack the mat. Uh, and 
so that that right there is like already like a mental like like mind f uh, right there you know trying to get over that um i think part of the job of a trainer that i try and like emphasize is uh you have to understand each of your students uh and like understand their personalities and understand like what kind of coaching they adapt to i i don't think like coaching everyone the same way i mean you want for the most part like you know like 90 percent of the way through is all the same way but i think you have to understand that hey this person like you can kind of be a little bit like harder on them and kind of like push them a little more but you have to also know when to dial it back for some students like hey if like a student isn't getting something and they're like they have this like mental mind block like i can't do it it's like if you keep pushing that's just gonna kind of like break them in a way but not in like a good way so you have to kind of understand like all right when it's time to like really like push it push it push it and when it's time to be like hey like let's um kind of dial it back like for instance like just the other day like one of my students uh like she's having problem problems going over the um they had doing the top rope exit like to the floor um and so like i was you know trying to get i'm like hey just get comfortable just walk i'm like just go get on the rope and just like kind of like walk down like walk your hands down the rope and just touch that like just touch the apron just feel the apron just know the aprons there like, don't worry about going outside like just trust your hand on the apron and just feel it there. So you know that there's safety there. And then we come back and then we'll do it again. Like the next day, you know, rather than just being like, all right, just go out and do it. Cause like, it's just like, once you have that mental mind block, it can be like tough to overcome. But I was like, all right, let's just go in baby steps. Just get the trust first, feel that. And then we'll kind of cycle back to it. That's a tough one too. Fortunately, yeah. like your ring is a little bit lower to the ground than a full size ring. I, I remember that yeah, being yeah. very <laughs> yeah. daunting day for the me in wrestling so high, school. But it's like it's so low. Ours is very high. It's like I think eight feet by the time you oh, added the floor. Yeah, it's like oh wait, I'm supposed to just drop over that. Okay, here yeah. we go. Yeah, but, and um, you can you can tell uh, yeah, if you're like it's a, really you're like wild. A, uh, oh, oh, good. Uh, so you say, if you're like a if you're like a, a coach that's like very cognizant of your students like their personalities too like you can tell when someone's like frustrated like that day in particular like maybe they had like a bad day or maybe like you know things oh you know God. sometimes just sometimes people just come with like a bad day you know and so i can i can kind of tell when like someone like has had like a bad day and they're just like not like feeling it today where like you know where usually they have like you know you can tell like the kittens like things today they're just like messing everything up and it's like all right hey like i kind of know like how like I, I have to be aware of like how much like I want to push them and how much because you know if you just you know someone's already frustrated even like even if this isn't like you know someone's already frustrated you just kind of like adding more stuff onto that it's just not going to help but if you're able to kind of like uh teach some things in a constructive and like constructive way and maybe not like pile things on them you know like say for instance like I, I see someone's like having like like just they're just not like today it's just like not their day like there's like they're you can see they're actually getting like frustrated or not getting drills like think they're constantly messing up if i see like you know maybe they do like five things wrong in the, in the drill if i you know i'll be like all right let me correct like these two things all right so it's like hey like let's just work on these two things and then we'll kind of come back to the other stuff you know but i'm just like all right everything you did was wrong and this is like terrible and just like that it's like well like that's just like that doesn't like help the situation at all and then that's also I rather them try and like focus on fixing like one or two, like one or two things first, rather than trying to fix like five things at once. Well, that's like the thing, right? So there's nothing more frustrating than understanding what someone's asking you to do. Like mentally, yeah. you get it in your head. You get what you're supposed to do. It makes sense, but you cannot physically make your body do yeah. it. It is yeah. like the most infuriating thing 
in general, let alone when it's in regard to something that you're very, very passionate about. So I, I appreciate the gentle hand. I think that that does help guide when you're having a tough day. I, man, I just, I'm just sitting here thinking, I remember like having days in training. There was one day specifically where like, I just gotten over a cold. I wasn't feeling great. I busted my face open in CrossFit that morning. Oh. I was like sweaty dirty i had like blood and like boogers on my shirt like just oh, it was no. awful and i just like I, could, I can't remember what we were doing but there was something that i just couldn't do and i was so frustrated i was just like sitting there just crying in this like dirty bloody snotty yeah. crying heap <laughs> it's like but the ability for a coach to like step over and pick you up and dust you off and get you where you need to be even on those tough days is is very important mm. yes yes absolutely yeah, think it like a, it's like a trainer. It's almost like in a weird way you have to be like you're not just a trainer. Like I think the best trainers aren't just a trainer. Like they're like a trainer, they're a mentor. Um, they're like they have a medic in some cases. Um, <laughs> right. They also have to be like, like you good? Uh, are you good? Like, yeah. Are you really? Like, oh, are you, you really good? Like, All right, just like, like roll what's going up, on here. Roll out, put some ice yeah. on it. You'll be all right. <laughs> like, let's put some ice on it. But you have to be like a mentor to these to these uh, to these kids, and also like I I don't I don't want to say this in a way that like is i don't want people to hear this think i'm saying this in a way like i'm comparing wrestling trainers to like therapists but sometimes you have to be like you have to talk to your students and be like like be like a therapist in a way you just have to like be in the ear for them to like vent to and like open up to you know um like and just that's just the reality of it you know i think when and i think students having that relationship with a coach is like important because they they need to have someone that they feel like they one has their back and two like that they can trust, especially when they're like, you know, going through stuff and um, figure out like how to, you know, help them, you know, because some people just, uh, some people don't have like, you know, some people didn't grow up in like sports and things like that, where they have like that coach to kind of like lean on, you know? Um, so I think, I think it is an important job for a wrestling train wrestling trainer to be that mentor to the person as well. You said something really interesting there and I wanted to touch on it because it's something I've noticed too just in my wrestling journey is there's a surprising amount of people that get involved in wrestling that have zero athletic background. Like oh, they yeah. never played a sport growing yeah. up. They, they never even played like, you know, the local community kickball team, like nothing. They have done zero, nothing athletic their entire life. And for some reason they go, oh, wrestling sounds great. Yeah. How do you, yeah. like, that's a completely different student than someone like, like I came from a martial arts background. So it's like, I kind of get it to an extent, like training, mm -hmm. drills, uh, sometimes people yelling, whatever, that's, yeah. that's sports. So how do you take somebody who's never been in like an athletic training environment and, and get them into like, how do you work with that? That's just like an anomaly to me. So what I do at my what I do at school, and this is another thing I carried over from the uh, ROH uh, dojo um, before, no matter uh, before any student gets to the ring, we have like a like period on where they, they work on the floor or the outside. So the first few weeks, I like to get a gauge of like where everyone's at physically. Cause I know I'm saying some people are athletes. Some people aren't. Some people are just rolling off the couch. Like, Oh, I'm going to try wrestling training. Um, so before anyone's like, I explained this to them. So I'm like this first few weeks, uh, it's not like to break you. It's just like, I want to see where you're at and I want to build your body up because I, I was like some schools you get in the ring the first day, you're starting to take bumps, starting to run the ropes. And like, I find that that can be super unsafe, especially if your body's not prepared for it. Um, so I'm like, so basically, the first, what we always do, you know, we always do like a group stretch. And then the new students, they stay on the outside and they do like circuits. Like they start with like squats, push ups, like uh, 
like crunches, things like that. Um, and then I will go over things like uh, tripods and headstands and um, work on strengthening their neck. And I'll do bit of different partner exercises where I maybe have to pick up something like carry them or like base for someone so they keep their body strong. And uh, it's insane to see like the progression of like people from like week one to like, say like week two or three. And it just kind of depends on how people do. Usually it's about two weeks, sometimes three, maybe four. Um, but I just like to build them up on the outside. And um, like, for instance, I had like a student um, he came to me the first day, he could barely do like, like 10 pushups, you know? And then like, after like a week and a half, like he's busting out like 25 pushups, no problem. Like, yeah, like, I'm like, it's all about like, I'm like, you can feel yourself getting stronger. Or like there's students that would do like the tripods and the headstands. They like have like super weak necks. And then over the course of a few weeks, like their necks are get stronger. They're holding the tripods, doing handstands, things like that. It's like, that's, that's kind of what I'm looking for. Um, and then I'll, when I bring them to the ring, it's, a uh, I start things very slowly. I always tell them I just start with like different footwork stuff. I'll start with the rolls. Um, I'll start with before we even do like bumps and stuff, I'll start with the rolls, like our warm-up uh drills, just so they can get comfortable moving around the ring, and then we'll go into bumps and like around the ropes. So uh I I I I take a very uh in-depth approach to making sure like whether you're an athlete or not an athlete, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna build your body up in the ring on the outside and see where you're at physically, and then we'll get in the ring. So I've only had like one student, I think like never make it into the ring just because he was like, it was like, just uh, he was so like out of shape. Uh, it was like, it was bad. Like, so he, he, he never made it into the ring. Oh, all right. So go ahead. I was, I was going to say, that's the other thing is like being in shape to go into wrestling school, but you know, um, injuries are something that happens in wrestling too. We hopefully don't have to experience them, but sometimes we do. How do you take a student who is coming back from an injury and get them ready to return to the ring? Has that been something you've ever had to experience or handle or like what would yeah, be your yeah. process for that? Because it's something that happens in wrestling. You know, people get hurt. It's a very physical sport. Mm-hmm. Um, usually what I like to do is um, uh, depending on what the injury is, I'll just tell them, hey, like go at your own pace. Do what you feel comfortable with. Like, um, we'll, like I'm not like super worried about you trying to do everything just coming back. Like I just want you to get comfortable being back in the ring and moving around, you know, like, uh, like if I, like say, if you know, have an anchor injury, anchor injury, you're not like comfortable doing like up and overs and stuff like that. It's like, all right, we'll figure out something else we can do. And then we'll slowly build up your confidence of getting back there. Um, or like I'll say, Hey, if you want to come for like a private session, just kind of like roll around the ring a bit, like, uh, kind of get comfortable at your own pace. Like that's fine also. Um, but yeah, I just like to build them up like piece by piece. Um, slowly. I don't want to rush anything. It, my number, I always tell people my number one priority at school is like safety. Like that's on our website. Like safety is a, is the key. So um, I'm completely fine with people going at their own pace with that. And so and then once they start getting kind of comfortable, I'm like, all right, hey, let's try this thing. Let's like kind of work up to this thing. All right, let's go to this thing. All right, now you're kind of like getting back in the groove. Right, right. A lot of great information here. I, I feel like we could keep asking you questions all day. There's one thing I definitely want to know before we uh, let you plug whatever you want to plug and let you go eventually. But, um, and that's, if someone is trying to go into this, I don't want to say cold, but maybe they've been watching wrestling for a number of years and they are looking to start training themselves. Um, you know, obviously geography is a, a concern to some extent. Some p- people can't just uproot their whole lives and go across the country or across the world to train with somebody. Um, but what should somebody who is looking for a school, looking for a trainer, keep in mind when they're going out and, and checking out places that they might want to train? 
Um, the best thing I can recommend to people, um, like, yeah, it's good to look at like your trainer's credentials. Of course, it's good to look at the school's credentials, like um, kind of see who they've trained or who the trainer is, what they've done. But I think more so than anything, just ask them to like go and watch a class. Um, mm. I think if a school says no, that's kind of a, to me, I think that's kind of a red flag. Mm. Uh, but I always tell people like, hey, just go like check out the class. Like even if it's just like if they like let you watch like an hour because, you know, I get like some schools want to keep like kayfabe and things like that. But I think um, just ask them to watch a class or like or, or at the very least go and meet the trainer face to face and like talk to him face to face. But I think watching the class is important because you can get a good gauge on like how the structure of the class is, like what the class sizes are, which can be important. Um, uh, what they how they how they uh, start the class off, like. Um, and also like when the student like doesn't get something correct, how they react to it, like how they, mm. do they tell them to just get out of the ring? Do they break it down for them? I think that's like super key. I think that's something people don't, uh, like think about when looking for a school, like watch a class and see like when, like, um, and also honestly, like to see like the, like you, a fan can tell, like if someone knows what they're doing or if they're like, like good or like athletic or like, can, or at least understands like body control fundamentals, like watch the class and just, even if they're like, just like rolling or just doing basic drills, like, mm-hmm. see, like, how many other students, like, kind of know what's going on, know what they're doing, you know, because, you know, if you got, like, a class of 10 people, and they're doing, like, roles, and, like, eight out of the 10 people, their roles are, like, really bad, I think that's kind of a red flag, too, you know, I think that tells you that, like, either they're not teaching things right, or they're not, like, giving people enough, like, time to, like, understand things, um, but yeah, watch a, watch a class, is super important, meet the trainer, um, uh, I would also, among all that other stuff, like, see like how much uh or uh like what's what i'm looking for um see how many like days a week they train you know if we're gonna get like if you're gonna get like adequate like ring time there um for like how you're how you're going and then um uh yeah yeah watch i think all that can be answered though by just watching the class you know and it's like see how the trainers teach see how the the how good the students are you know they don't have to be like you know main event wrestlemania style but just see if they kind of like if the drills they're doing, they're like understand those like for the most part, like their footwork is good and their body mm-hmm. control is good. Um, see how the trainers like teach when some someone messes something up, and, and yeah, to see like the just overall class structure and then talk to some of the students there too, like and just ask their experience and see how they like it. Kaya, I see you're taking a ton of notes, so <laughs> go ahead. Always, <laughs> always have to take notes. It's like uh, was it student of the game? Um, yeah, yeah. You know, Burger, you mentioned having your notebook on your. First day of wrestling school and writing it down. Yeah, I have, I have plenty it. of notebooks. Yeah. I have, I have one like, that has like seminar notes. I have yeah. yeah, I have one that has like literally every day when I was in wrestling school, I would just write everything down. Like every time we got a break in class, I'd write down what we just did. Like wow. and it's crazy. But sometimes like I'm like, how many times have I actually gone back and looked in those notebooks? And it's like, yeah, there's a handful of times, but I think there's something to be said for the act of writing down what you're learning in wrestling school. Because writing it down yeah. makes you remember it. Even if you never yeah. look in that notebook again, yeah. to take your pen and write it on paper, it, it does make such a difference yeah. in how I'll, well I'll, you retain I always, information. I always tell people, like, yeah, I prefer notebooks over, like, writing things in my notes app. It's just, there's a different feel when you, like, write it down on, like, paper. Um, yes, I, I always tell people, like, hey, write everything down, um, like, because you never know, like, we're going to need to look back and like, Oh, like I completely forgot. Like we did this or like, I haven't used this in like a while, you know, uh, like I had like a notebook and I remember like, I had, like two notebooks to start off. I had one for like my school stuff. And I had one where I would take it to um, like uh, my like high school. And I would be in like in class, like in class, I would be writing like promos down and I would be writing like gimmick ideas down, like what I wanted my name to be like all that. 
All right. In your notes, do you have any more questions that you would like to ask the world's famous CB before we let him go? Or are you just yeah, writing down I, notes for a future reference? Yeah, I could talk about training life all day. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's a little bit of both. I, I, it's really, to me, it's been a delightful interview. I just, I love hearing like the inner workings of wrestling training. You know, I, I listened to a lot of interviews with trainers before we went to conduct our interviews this week. And I was like, what are people asking? I don't want to ask the same stuff. Like, but what can we ask to really get some meat and potatoes type information? And you definitely delivered the goods. So thank you so much. I appreciate yeah, yeah. all the insight. And I hope that like when people listen to this, if someone's been debating going to wrestling school, that this is kind of like brings them some comfort in their decision. Cause I did think we touched on a lot of important things that you don't always hear about. You always hear, Oh, it's so hard. It's going to yeah. be the worst, most brutal yeah. experience of your life. And it's going <laughs> to break you. Yeah. And and you made it seem like it's something that if you put your mind to it and you work hard, that it's yeah. attainable for anybody out there. Yeah. So. I, I, um, yeah. Like I want people to understand that, like at my school, even though I'm talking, it, it's like super positive, like, but we work, we work like, you know, Kai's been there. Like we work hard. We like bust our ass. And like, yeah. I, I try and push my students to be, great and better and like get through everything um uh but we try and um like we have a super like good support system at the school and a super like positive environment so like i think there's a difference between like training hard and being like hey we're just like training hard because i'm trying to like break you and make you like puke and everything and like make you quit and like you leave versus like training hard to make you better training hard to make you understand the fundamentals and training hard so that way that stress of like being in a tough environment when you're in the match, like understanding like how to apply that and be ready for those situations. Um, like, I don't, I think a lot of times when people say they're like, Oh, we like train hard. We're like, we're like, our system like brew. They just do it. Just like, just to do it. And then sometimes they just think that's how things are done. Or sometimes there's like dicks and just be like, Oh, it's like one of like <laughs> train hard and like blow people up just because like, that's like how we came up and that was like a way to do it. But I think if you're just, if you're not doing it for like, like, I think when you do, blow, like, for instance, you do blow up drills. I think there should be some kind of, like, purpose to doing them. Like, some kind of, like, purpose of, like, un, like fundamentals or, like, trying to get people accustomed to, like, like, for instance, I'll do, like, a four. I don't know if you've done this with this guy. Like, we do, like, a four-corner drill. That's, like, brutal. Where it's, like, you know, you're one person in the center. They do, like, a drill, like, all four, like, four corners. They have to keep cycling around. Oh, I love and it's, like, I hate to say I'm going to sound like a psycho yeah. here. I love that drill. Yeah. You know yeah, why I love uh, that? It's though? one of my because favorites whatever you do, whatever you're having us do, I think there's like one where it's like, you have to, okay, lock up, lock up, headlock, takeover with each person. And then yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah, like oh, fire, yeah, carry, take down. I can't remember the, yeah. like, the other one. Yeah. Yeah. But, there's um, one like that where it's like, you do four different things, like five times, like in the each corner. Yeah. Um, the repetition. And, uh, it's yeah. so good because the repetition builds muscle memory. I love exactly. that type of love drill. It's it not, doesn't yeah, bother so me to do like, that. It's not like, just like, I'm not just doing it. Oh, I want to make these students tired. See if they like quit. It's like, I want one, we're doing it to repetition, but I'm trying to get them to understand that like when you're tired, you have to keep the form and fundamentals the exact same because yeah. if you don't, someone's going to get hurt. And that's like, that's like my main purpose for like blow up drills. I want to see like when you're tired and like at your limit, can you still perform and can you still like protect your opponent, protect yourself and can you still go? Um, so that's like why, that's why I like do So I think paying students that mindset. So we're like, hey, you're like in like a 20, 30 minute match and you need to like, mentally be able to like physically also but mentally you need to be able to like find that second wind and like all right let's let's go so i think blow drills need, need to have a, a purpose too like if you just do them just to do them like whatever so yeah but like i'd like yeah like we, we i think we we have a really good environment a good support system like really positive like we we i i think we have a 
we have a lot of good students that are really good at like being competitive, but not in like a, like a dickish or like backstabbing way in the competitive. We're like, Hey, like I want to like be better than this guy. And that, but that's going to make like, this guy is like really good. So I want to like try and be as good or better than this person. That's going to make me better. So not like a bad way in like a way where we all like, yeah, yeah. To, like improve and be better. Rising tide lifts all boats. Um, I really, I keep thinking of it. I know this is going to sound weird, but this is from someone who has never trained. Uh, the idea of the four corner and going and trying these different moves, if nothing else, it's going to set you up really nice for when you get one day enter the Royal Rumble and have to hit your signature move on four different people in four different directions. Absolutely. And that's what it's all about. Kai, is there anything else you want to ask the world famous CB before we let him uh, plug whatever he wants to plug and, and be on his way to, to train and wherever else? I think I'm good. You have provided us with so much beneficial information today, and I'm mm. very grateful for you taking some time to speak with us. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. Oh, thanks for having me. CB, what would you like to plug, uh, whether it's your school, your own social media? Floor is yours. Um, yeah, the, uh, for the stuff about the school. Um, if you're interested in wrestling training, we're located in Bristol, PA. Uh, you can check out our website at WorldWideWrestlingDojo.com. Uh, you can follow us on social media uh, like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Worldwide Dojo. Also, too, our brand new YouTube channel that's popping off lately, uh, at Worldwide Dojo on YouTube. Uh, we are up, we've been doing our uh, our student show, Capture Lightning. Uh, we've been posting student matches. They've been awesome. Uh, so definitely, I'm really looking forward to growing this YouTube channel this year. So uh, definitely subscribe to our YouTube channel, uh, at Worldwide Dojo. Um, yeah. And if you're interested in wrestling training, uh, come check us out, check out our videos, we post videos on Instagram and Twitter, uh, and, uh, things on YouTube as well. So yeah, check us out, contact us. That was a lot of fun. I'm glad that we got some kind of clarification on what his name is and how he should be addressed. <laughs> <laughs> really nice guy. Um, I had not spoken yeah. with him at length before, but I, he was just as, uh, charming and, uh, helpful as I expected him to be. He's, he's been so many places and met so many people, done so many things. And, you know, he's still, still really young guy. As we said, he's, he's got some great days ahead of him as a trainer and a wrestler. One of my favorite things about Cheeseburger is he truly is a sponge when it comes to knowledge about wrestling. He knows so much about so many different styles and different approaches. And it's just, it's so nice to go and train there too. I think that something else when you're looking for wrestling training to always remember is like, you're, you don't, you're not married to one place forever and ever. Amen. I think it's really good to go out and get guidance from other people and to like learn from other people and learn new techniques and, and different ways of doing things. And because everybody has these different experiences as both of our guests shared with us, you know, neither of them had the same exact experience coming up with their trainers and everybody brings something different to the table. So don't ever box yourself in. If you have an opportunity to learn from somebody in the wrestling business, always take that opportunity. Very good. Okay. Well, I mean, that does another, does it for another episode of wrestling indie straighted. I will get these. I survived wrestling school a second time. I survived it a second time around. What's that? <laughs> did I survive? Did I survive a second round with wrestling school? I think I did. Oh, you're yeah, you're still here. <laughs> and so am I, I think. Little little loopy here. We just finished uh, one issue of the magazine and on to the next. I feel like I'm always forever saying that. But and I just got back off that road trip because it was like mania and then the GCW Detroit Columbus loop, and then we were at the showboat, and it's like 
oh, this is what my bed is like. But it was so fun to do because obviously rehabbing the injury, I've missed being on the road. But I did not miss being this exhausted or eating pizza Lunchables for dinner in a rest stop in Detroit at 3 a.m. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, I actually... We keep getting... We keep getting jobbed out to these 24-hour Taco Bell signs in the state of Michigan. Like, every time we go through Michigan, we'll get so excited because there will be a sign. that will be like, 24-hour Taco Bell. And we're like, oh, my God, we're so hungry. This is the greatest thing ever. And we pull off the exit, and we just get jobbed out like a bunch of jabronis. Like, no Taco Bell in there. Nothing. Just, like, knocked like, down? Like <laughs> No, it's, it's just not open. It's just not open 24 hours. Like, it's what? in there, and it's still very much functional, but it's not... 24 hours like the sign said and then we're all just like cranky and eating junk for dinner and sad wow get it together michigan (laughs) (laughs) oh man all right well thanks for doing this we'll be back soon with another episode of some kind i think we still have to figure out what that is but we'll we'll talk about that um anything you want to plug before we part ways just the usual um I'm on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, everything. My handle is at Kaya MCK, K-A-I-A-M-C-K. I have a merch store, kayamckenna.bigcartel.com, where you can buy all sorts of witchy goodies. And I'm not really going to be on the road this much in May because I'm going to be focusing very heavily on getting to the point where I can return to wrestling training since I'm at that point of my recovery. So I didn't make any plans to go travel to see anyone, but I will be at Tournament Survival Weekend in Atlantic City the first week of June. So if you're there, please say hi to me. There'll probably be another episode before then too, but oh, that's, that's all be, I got. That I, I saw the list of competitors for that. That's going to be wild. Yeah, our good buddy Drew Parker. They got Rena Yamashita. Yep. That's uh, Shane Mercer qualified this week, past weekend. Yep. yep. Slade, first time entrant Slade, I believe. Oh, oh man, I'm probably was he, he? I believe Slade's the first time in TOS. Somebody will surely let me know if I am wrong. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> all right, <laughs> we'll see you all next time, or we'll you'll hear us. <laughs> Take care, guys. Mm-hmm.